Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you want interesting and entertaining debate on the Premier League and other English leagues, but from a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, then check out the whistleblowers it's a weekly football podcast hosted by me i used to play football martin gritton uh stand-up mark smith when he can and music manager gareth dobson who uh, always has plenty of good chat being a spurs fan um we basically get football writers in to have a chat as well. And we talk about the stories that matter in English football, whether it's on the pitch or off it. It's free to listen to iTunes, Acast, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, or you can download the Whistleblowers app. And follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast. Cheers. Hello, and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. And it's another cautiously optimistic stop hammer time this week. Here to be cautiously optimistic with me are, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. Hello, Jim. Hi. Everything all right? Yes, very, very good. I'm on the verge of moving house. Moving house? Where yes, are you I'm moving to? by boxes and stuff. Uh, moving to the, uh, to the village, the quaint village of Down. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, the syndrome comes from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where it was invented. Uh, yeah. Indeed, indeed, yeah. yeah. It is sadly where Nigel Farage comes from. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of a facer. Yeah. Yes, that is, yeah. Um, he went to Dulwich College, didn't he? He did, yeah. And it's also I where got in, I got in there, I got in there, but didn't go because none of my friends got in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I went to the school that you and I went to, Jim. Yes, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was much better because yeah, it was all right. Our school yeah. it was okay. Much better, yeah, yeah. Right. And at least you didn't have to go to um, college with Nigel Farage. Of course, Don the Don Pareto went to Dulles College as well. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I hope he bullied uh, Nigel Farage. I'm very anti-bullying, obviously. Yeah, especially but, given this he, week's one. But Nigel Farage should case. should should be bullied. Yeah. Also with us this week is the author of the best blog on West Ham United in existence in this, the 21st century. Do you know who this is, Jim? Who I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I do. It's, I, I think that would infer the answer. It is, of yeah. course, the H-List's author, James Kearns. Everything all right, James? 
Yeah, yeah, Phil, I'm not having it that it's cautious optimism, by the way. It's rampant optimism. We are we are gonna finish twelfth. This is this is unfettered optimism from from me this week. Twelve, giddy, yeah, giddy yeah. heights of twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, one thing. One thing that is, I've been meaning to mention this on the, probably the last two podcasts, but uh, uh, one thing that should have been mentioned was in match of the day's goal of the month in October featured two goals from West Ham United. Yeah, and I mean, I can't remember the last time that happened. No, that, that's uh, extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, and you know, without saying that we're we're now in an era of champagne football, it was uh, Lanzini's. <laughs> you know, thunder strike against Tottenham Hotspur and, of course, Antonio's overhead against Manchester yeah. City, both in that month's goal of the month. I don't know which one won it in the end, but uh, the fact that they both placed is, um, you know, quite a significant, you know, sort of token uh, of, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. where we are now. There was some of the, some of the goals we score are good goals, you know. We're still, I think, though... Um, uh, the way I like it as well, a bit under the radar. I think we've had a very good start to the season, but we haven't been talked about. No. Um, and I always think that's good. Um, you know, we, we still come, you know, last on match of the day most most weeks. Um, yeah. We're still, you know, nobody's really, most of the match reports and previews tend to be about the team we're playing rather than about mm, us. Mm. And I've always quite liked that i always associate that with, yeah. with west ham sort of doing doing quite well because it's not bigging up any expectation and and equally there's not too much uh kind of predatory interest in uh, in in our players uh, yeah yeah which is another good thing um, james so, what do you make of it all well, I think uh, I agree with Jim. I do think there is a bit of an under the radar thing, but possibly because as well as I think we've played and as well as people sort of acknowledge we played, you know, the reality is we still lost at Arsenal. We still lost at Liverpool. But, yeah. but if you're a West Ham fan, as opposed to a casual observer, you'd watch those games and say, yeah, yeah, but I mean, we should have won at Arsenal and we were well in the game at Liverpool. Mm. And, you know, we've got a point from games at Spurs and Manchester City. So those four games, it's only two points. That's why we're not, you know, fourth in the table or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, but the reality, I was looking today at um, the kind of strength of opposition schedule that everybody in the league has faced. And through the first, what are we now, nine games or whatever, West Ham have had the most difficult set of fixtures of anybody in the league, which I, I think sort of feels about right if you, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think there is an element actually of you are going to fly under the radar when you're playing good teams and you're playing well, but maybe you're not beating them. But, you know, you, the, the, there are upward sort of signs aren't there and, and if I think about yeah. you know sort of games away at Liverpool in the Bilic or Pellegrini era or you know games at home to Man City we would be getting stuffed in those yeah, games absolutely. Yeah. and you know it's now whether we're competitive or whether we're getting points it's different but I, that, that's why I mean all joking aside I, I think Moyes is doing a fantastic job and, yeah uh, and, and I think you know outside of what what other people might think about West Ham and whether we're flying under the radar I think it's um you know any any um raised expectations supporters have should be kind of tempered by the fact that for me I still feel that you know we are potentially you know on the brink of disaster <laughs> with with one or two injuries because I think yeah. um he's still you know, he's still 
really uh, in a in a position of having patched up a failing team found the best 11 and we're still in that phase where he's managed to get 11 guys out there playing well in a system they try and at the moment that's working well for us and and um you know i I, I think if we can get through this season um in a position perhaps where we've never been, you know, dangerously threatened by relegation and we do finish, as you say, James, you know, like 10th to 12th, you'd be happy with that. And that would feel like the first time we can consolidate after 2016. Yeah. You know, the yeah, end of 17, absolutely. the end of 18, the end of 19 were all disastrous. And, and you know, one of those featured Moyes shoring it up. Yeah. I mean you're right the squad is thin. There's no there's no there's no question about that, but it's not it turns out quite as thin as we feared it it was going to look at the no. start of the season because of the form of one or two players who many fans had kind of more or less written off. Um so Balbuena for example is is, yes. is doing fine. Um Cresswell is having an outstanding uh, season so far um uh and i think you know possibly now we're we're looking at, at, at probably we do need legs to cover central midfield because i do yeah. fear what would happen an injury to suchek or or rice would be i think significant noble just isn't going to be able to step in and do the same kind of job so no we need someone who's happy to come and and be a squad member but but be athletic enough to to um, uh, to contribute in that area. Um, it does make you wonder how good Cullen was because he did seem uh, to have energy and um, a bit of kind of dynamism throughout ninety minutes. James, what did you make of him? Uh, to be honest, Phil never saw him enough to, no. to know. I mean, there, there is a part of me that says you, you know he was nearly was he twenty four or something, Cullen. I mean, he'd yeah. He'd reached an age probably where if you're going to break through, you imagine he would have done. And to be yeah. honest, I, I think as fans, we tend to um, overestimate the ability of players that we've not seen. So there is there is a sense yeah. there that, you know, yeah. a player never, is never better than when they're not in the squad. And and particularly, I think we fetishise young youth team players who yeah. we've never seen play. Yeah. Oh, my real. God. You know, when we were watching the Sheffield United game, uh, um, someone watching it uh, said, um, you know, yeah, we never give young players a chance. You know, there was that Tony Martinez guy. We just never really gave him a chance. Sorry. <laughs> and I recounted to this guy <laughs> when you and I went to that game That's in Shrewsbury. Uh, which, I, um, that was the game in which um, um, Cullen lost his teeth. Cullen lost a tooth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or most of the front of his teeth. <laughs> I think quite a lot of the front of his face came off, like the <laughs> nose cone of a plane in a crash. Most of the front of Cullen's face fell on the grass and he had to pick it up uh, and find the black box. Oh, that's in bad taste, Phil. Come on. Uh, but... Um, you know, there was a song about Tony Martinez that they used to sort of sing over and over again, both at the Bolin and away. And that song was sung at the Shrewsbury game. Then after literally five minutes of him on the pitch, you never heard that song <laughs> ever, ever, ever again. Yeah, you know, so you're right, James. Sometimes they are sort of fetishized what, a bit. But what's even funnier about that is that Tony Martinez is now at Benfica, which is an really extraordinary <laughs> turn of events. I bet they've also got fully banned. Anderson. I don't know what they're a madhouse over there, but but I think um, yeah, you, you know, as fans, we, because we're desperate for young players to come through 
and impact. We tend to demand their inclusion all the time. I think yeah. the reality with Cullen actually is I think they fancy Connor Coventry more. He seems yeah, to be the, yeah, the yeah. next sort of taxi off the rank. Um, but, you, you know, whether he could step up, I think he's actually got an injury now himself as well, Coventry. But, you you know, I think if if these players are decent enough, I think Moyes will give them a go. We saw it with Ngakia. We've seen it a little bit with Johnson. Um, you know, if they're good enough, they'll they'll get in. But yeah. to, the, to the broader point um, that Jim made, I completely agree. We we are a bit vulnerable to injuries to certain players. I think Cresswell would be a massive irreplaceable loss if he was yes, to go. Hard, yes, because right? yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't think anyone else can distribute the ball like him from the back, and I think that that's having a major impact on the way we play. Yeah, yeah, we'd have to we'd have to go to a back four with Arthur as left back, and and that will instantly make us defensively. Uh, a weaker side. <laughs> yeah, <It's> terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I agree. Covering that on that left side of of defence, um, le- athletic covering midfield. Maybe that Lundstrom guy who's out out of contract, isn't he? Or yes. actually out of contract at Sheffield United. You know, he's the kind of player uh, we we need to look for. Mm. One of those Bournemouth guys type type guys. You know, who would run and run and run all day. Yeah, that's that's what the team needs. Well, when we um, uh, you know, and legs. You know. When we uh, when Noble was the uh, our starting player in the championship and possibly the first couple of years the when we came up with Sam um, that oh god I've forgotten his name he he left us and went to Norwich you know who sort of his understudy uh, was it Gary O'Neill or someone like O'Neill that? yeah O'Neill, O'Neill. Yeah. was exactly the sort of player who was in the squad didn't actually get much game time but when he came in he yeah. was completely ready to play that position and know how to do it and. Um, the same with um, Carl Fletcher as a kind of utility man understudy to Hayden Mullins. You know, when yeah. that cup final, yeah. when he came yeah. in, you just knew he'd do as good a job. And, or, or going further back of Peter Butler type thing. Yeah. You know, that, that, those kinds of players who aren't, they're not going to expect, to, to, you know, to sort of waltz into the, into the first 11, but are going to be there and allow you to continue playing the same way without, yeah. without losing that momentum. I, I think yeah, we, yeah. Some, we def- desperately need someone like that in midfield, left side of defence, and really a more mobile, pacey striker, I think. Yeah, Although yeah. Uh, we'll probably come on to talk to it a bit more, but, but you know, Haller was much improved, wasn't he? On he was, yes. Uh, yes, uh, moving on to the Sheffield United game, uh, I found a, a match report of that game, um, and uh, no, just just to just a remind us of it, I'll I'll, uh, I'll read it out. Um, uh, the blades started brightly, and Chris Wilder's side created several early openings. But the hammers grew into the game and began to take control as the hosts faded as an attacking force. Both Kufal and Thomas Suchek had squandered opportunities to score when, on the 54th minute, with the score at nil-nil, Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder declared victory, claiming any <laughs> subsequent goals to be illegal. As the game continued, and Sebastian. Justin Haller scored a goal. Wilder received a telegram of congratulations from Dave Whelan, who declared the win a victory for football, justice, and a third off all tracksuits at JJB Sports. <laughs> Sean Bean said the win was a hang on, I haven't finished yet, said Dave Whelan. All December, it's two for one on boxes of shuttlecocks. Sean Bean declared the I'm 84, you know, said Dave Whelan. Buoyed by the win, Sean Bean has sued the makers of Game of Thrones, claiming that he wasn't killed in the first series and is demanding to be paid for the subsequent seven series. Henry Winter called the win a great three points for the Blades and claimed that West Ham forward Sebastian Haller made no appreciable difference to the result of the game. And that's satire, said Robert Green. Well, that's a, sort of a 
wide-ranging uh, match. About, just about sums it up. Some, some. Did that bring back the spirit of the game to you? Absolutely caught it in a nutshell. Yeah. 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 Sheffield United still haven't uh, still haven't um, declared West Ham the winners of the game. They haven't conceded yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's Rudy Giuliani representing them in he court is, as we yeah, speak, with, yeah. with hair dye running down his face. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, when uh, when your top is uh, striped, that looks okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe we can we'll take our provisional three points and uh, <laughs> look yeah. up look up the table. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, it was it was um, what was interesting about that game, uh, aside from all those shenanigans uh, for which seemed kind of passed me by, but. Uh, nonetheless, oh no, it happened. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, that's how it was. But what I quite liked about it was I had an unusually um, zen experience whilst watching the game because I never really felt we were going to lose, which is a very unusual feeling um, when you're yeah. watching West Ham, particularly when you like a one-nil game. You know, you'd always think. Oh, there'll be a shit late goal somewhere and yeah, and it'll be for them and you know we'll get a point here. But I don't know, there's something about you know, Moyes and the sort of sense of professionalism and um just the general sense that everyone in the team knows specifically what they're supposed to be doing at any yeah, given time yeah. that really gives you a sense of confidence that I don't really remember ever feeling possibly I'd have to sort of go back maybe even to the Pardew era or something like that yeah, when, when, yeah. They, when they were good in, in 05, 06. It's been a long time since I've watched the West Ham team yeah. that well drilled. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they, they, yeah, they are. I mean, they were, you know, the commentary, the commentators were, you know, were, were saying things like, "Well, this is a very well drilled, well organised West Ham side." Where you kind of, you know, yeah, it's almost unheard of, isn't it? And and yeah. uh, it is. I mean, it is. You know, what it's watching a team that is properly managed, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it. You know, <laughs> as you say, everybody knows what their what their job is. There's a sense in which players are being play played in positions where they they feel comfortable doing the job that they're doing and they aren't kind of being sort of sort of kind of fitted into a square peg into a round hole. Um, and uh, there's a confidence that's starting to kind of, I think partly, you know, your, your feeling, I think, which I shared that it, I never felt we were in, in danger of losing that game. Um, is something that's almost kind of emanating off, off the pitch because the players seem to feel that. And, yeah. and, um, and the embodiment of that for me on Sunday was Rice because I thought he was imperious in that match. Mm. Yes, and yeah. in, and in the second half in particular, you know, the, the goal that he scored for England, I think it was he, the way he celebrated that goal for England, even though it was against Iceland, showed how much it meant to him, how much that means to him, and um, I just think he's he's just growing, just filling out, in, you know, in, as a personality on the pitch. And in the second half, he just absolutely controlled that game. There was a moment where he just took someone, took the ball off someone, you know, effortlessly. Yeah. Really reminded you of Bobby Moore. And that, that, um, you know, the way he starts to drive forward with the ball when there's space in front of him now as well. And the range of passing is terrific. Some of the balls he was spraying around were Brooking-esque, you know, Mm. and, and, I think he's just the best player we've brought through in in, in well since yeah you know, since the age of 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 probably of Ferdinand and Lampard um, and they are a really good midfield pair aren't they they, they do remind superb. you they do remind you a little bit of um uh Mullins and Rio Coca with Rio Coca at his best Rio Coca would yes. often drive from deep yep. you know in a kind of Billy Bonds type way yep. And, um, you know, that just puts the fear of God up the opposition. If, you know, someone in a fairly deep lying position starts running at you through the middle, 
it's difficult to sort of, you know, it's hard to know what to do about that. You know, the problem is if they're suddenly dispossessed, you know, turning yeah. over possession, you know, when you commit yourself like that can be problematic. But yeah, I certainly, without it being quite like these two seasons, you know, I think back on that Pardew season and the 2015-16 season as two seasons where if if the other team scored early in the game, you literally thought, doesn't matter, we'll score. I know we'll score mm. in this game. And not that I quite have that feeling now, but there are always goals in us. And because we keep at it and stay in the game for 90, you know, for 94 yeah. minutes, there's always a chance we will. And there's always a chance that we've got players that pop up as well, principally Suchek, you know, mm. in a kind of... Yeah. I mean, I think it feels more like the 2005-06 season than the, than the 15-16 because because of the nature of the, of yeah. the team is about energy and you know it's not quite as a it's not quite as flair filled this, no, this no. team is it? Um, but it's you know it's it's very satisfying to watch and they're not playing dull negative football, are no. they? I mean, you know, there's we still you still sense we, we we're a goal threat in. Uh, in games, even at Anfield, I thought going forward we looked we looked dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, you know, it's, and it's, uh, it's... an improved Alaire. What did you make, James, of uh, of him? Uh, yeah, the first ten minutes, I thought, <laughs> what what the fuck? I was like, you know, it, mm. it, he almost wasn't sort of competing. He seemed so passive. Uh, you know, yeah. when the ball was going into him with, it, with his back to goal. But I think the reality of Haller, I think because of what he looks like physically, I think there's a sense that people think he's a kind of Hartson or a cross or a sort of, you know, prototypical yeah. yeah. target man. And actually, I think he's more, and his, his history will show you, he's more of a link player, actually, yeah. than that. And a much better player when he's when he's got his back towards goal um, and has the ball at his feet. But, you know, look, I, I thought after that sort of quite shaky start, and it was when he came into the game that we came into the game. And I think, yeah. you know, the, the sort of the second half of the first half, we were well on top of them and we pushed them back and Suchek had that chance, which Alaire created. And then yeah. um, just in, in general, I thought he played well. You know, the, the reality is he's not Antonio and he can't do what Antonio does. But no. in all honesty, if you look in the Premier League, Antonio is unique. There is not yeah. a player who has the combination of strength and pace that Antonio does and so actually asking Alaire to do that is just asking him to do something he's not actually sort of capable of doing. Yeah, I think but that's what, right. what he can do is link play. I think better than Antonio. Yeah, he needs. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think and he grew into. I thought he again. He grew into the game and there were some lovely deft touches. You know, times when he kind of brought a ball down or, you know, um, and he took his goal fantastically well. Um, you know, I just think as long as he's he's going to be. The, the number two striker to Antonio, isn't he, when Antonio's fit? But it's important that we have someone who who can come in and and still play within that within that system, um, yeah, and contribute. And I thought he did contribute. I thought I thought um, you know he was improving as that as that game went on. Um, it was interesting. Moyes' kind of comments about him after the game uh, were quite candid, you know, um, yeah. and. Uh, you know, he sort of spoke to a possible kind of lack of confidence and, that you know, needing to get his confidence back up again and needing him to sort of, you know, sort of feel a bit loved and uh, feel part of uh, the team. Yeah. And I think that that's... Yeah. He hasn't caught the enthusiastic vibe, has he? He's not... He's not... <laughs> 
you know, you've got you've got Boeing and Fornals running around like 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 yeah. border collie puppies, uh, and he, he he's got a kind of Gallic shrug about, yeah. him, isn't he? And, it's just uh, not what he's like, you know, though, is it? It's, it's just like, not what he's like. No. no, and I think people read that. Do people do read the body language negatively, don't they? And it's not necessarily that, is he? You just think he's being cool, isn't he? It's just that he's the kind of that's the kind of guy he is. He's yeah. not going to run around fist pumping when he scores a goal. He's going to do, yeah, I meant to do that. Well, it's like Anelka. Anelka yeah. was the same, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, they called Anelka, you know, the Les Sulk, didn't they? But he's not. It's just what he's like, you know. Yeah. There's quite a good documentary on Netflix about Anelka. You know, he's just a really interesting guy. Very talented footballer, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are some footballers who, who are always sort of, you know, angry when they score rather than rather than joyous, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, uh, Cantona, to a certain extent, was a bit... Arnautovic. Like that, Arnautovic. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, to me, he does look quite happy when other people score. So it might yeah. be one of those things where yeah. it's just a thing he does. I mean, to, to be honest... I don't care what he looks like when he scores so long as you know that, no, that, that is the ultimate first world problem isn't it when he, um, unhappy with that. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean occasionally on on social media I have seen threads where you would think that they would rather have the player not score but celebrate more <laughs> as if the celebration's actually more important than the goal. I've seen yeah. people um, tying themselves into logistic knots <laughs> until eventually they reach that point of kind of going, well, I'd rather, well, I'd rather they celebrated than actually scored. When he scored against Wolves late on and did, did his kind of, you know, sulky man thing, um, he was surrounded by players and eventually, you know, there we go, come on, come on. And eventually, almost before the camera cuts away from him, he just cracks a smile, doesn't he? Yeah, like yeah. Kind of the yeah. facade slips. Uh, while I remember it, let's just take a little break and we'll be back after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Um... There was a little bit of talk in the last couple of games about um, uh, Bowen perhaps not having as much of uh, perhaps just a good match as in in other games. I, I, I mean, I disagree, but uh, what do we make? Not having that. No, no, no. Who said, bring them to me? Who said this? That's not he, work, he just works very hard, doesn't he? I mean, it's like if he's not scoring, but we win – it's because he's been working really hard, like the rest of the team have been working really hard. You know? I, I thought, yeah, I, I thought he was good. I thought it was good again on 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 Sunday. Um, I, I think that occasionally he's a little bit head down when he gets near the goal. He's got this yeah. idea: I'm, I'm going to score. I'm going to come in off my on my left foot, and I'm going to score. And he sometimes hits 
shots that are going to easily be blocked and he doesn't he just needs yeah. to be it just needs to be a little bit cooler at, at, at the final moment and well there's a little bit of that isn't there because Fornells is the same there was yes, one of those games like that. one of those games perhaps it was the last game or the game before where Fornells could have squared it I think maybe twice to yeah. Bowen and the second time it happened Bowen was really cross yeah We've and come Liverpool, very close I think he to should scoring have done those, right. those city-type goals where we get into the six-yard box and there's two or three players there and just needs a little sideways rather than the shot, just needs the sideways ball once the once the defender's committed. Well, and it's a tap-in and we've missed like a lot ben of Rama, goals. Like Ben Rama to Suchek. Yes, yeah. Like yes. Ben Rama to Suchek. But I think, do you think though, Phil, that, the, that it's actually the presence of Ben Rama that causes some of this this, this debate, right? Because I think pre- previously, I'm not really sure people would have been clamouring to have got Yarmolenko in because I think they they recognise the the general difference in quality and work rate between Yarmolenko and Bowen. Yeah. I think the thing with Ben Rama is a little bit like I was saying earlier with the youth team players. We haven't seen him. He's new and shiny. Let's get him in. Bowen hasn't scored for a couple of weeks. That yeah. massively underestimates or underplays the amount of work that Bowen does, not yeah, just going yeah. forward, but going back as well. I mean, you know, what, what Fornells and Bowen are doing is, is giving support backwards yeah. in a way that we haven't really seen. I mean, you know, even we were talking earlier about like that 15-16 team, but, it, you know, Payet didn't do anything going backwards. Lanzini no. didn't really do too much going backwards. That team was built upon actually the, the defence that Allardyce left behind, which was incredibly solid. But yeah. generally that team was a bit, it, we outperformed really our performances a little bit. That sounds a crazy thing to say, but we, we probably got results in that season we didn't quite deserve to get because yeah. we had brilliant players up front. I think the thing, and Jim touched on it before, there's a, there's a, soli- a kind of general solidity. Everyone in this, in this team knows what they're doing. They're all doing a good job. And as a result, actually, I think if you look at things like expected goals, and I appreciate not everyone will have will have looked at this, but the kind of the the the, the metric which measures the quality of the chances you create and the chances you give up. We are like fifth in the league in on that, yeah, yeah. Just, which yeah. shows that basically we create a lot of good chances and we don't give up very many good chances defensively. Yes. That's a yeah. sign of a good team. And I think people it like is. Bowen make a big difference in that. Having said that, I think Moyes would have been unhappy with the final ball in the last two in the last two games. Possibly even the last three games, arguably, but certainly the last two where the crossing has not been particularly great. Certainly, certainly the crossing from deep when Cresswell does it and so on is, is often good. But mm. um, when we get behind teams, we quite often don't create as clear cut a chance as, as, as you, you would expect, having got into those good positions. Yes. Um, so I think that's something that. Um, I think he's even alluded to it and, and he certainly mentioned it, I think, after the Fulham game. So, you know, we do need to be... We It wasn't a, it wasn't as tight a game as a, as a lot of reports and people seem to think. It, it was a very comfortable win against Sheffield United, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on another day would have been would have been a two or three goal margin, I think. And as you say, the expected goals kind of suggests, kind of suggests that about the game. Yeah. Even though I actually don't know. I, I don't really know a great amount about uh, Sheffield United, but I wonder what's gone wrong uh, for them this season. Yeah. Uh, Lynchpin defender out for the season. Oh, is there? He's very, right. very good, and and um, they 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 clearly that's like having Og Bonner taken out of the team, at, you know, with yeah. the back three. So a bit of a that's sense they've been found out as well, though. Do you think, Jim? Yeah, I think, I think people, there's yeah. there's an element, isn't there, that you can come in, and I think this might happen a bit with Bielsa and Leeds. You know, I think they look great, don't they? But you know, yeah. but they're in the bottom half, and admittedly, they've played some good teams as well, but. You know, you watch them play, you watch Sheffield United, they're new, 
their players we haven't seen before. The Premier League does adjust quite quickly to stuff like that. Yes. And I thought it was we did a job on them on Sunday. And Jim's right, it yeah. was a pretty comfortable win in the end if you if you kind of take everything into account. And we essentially played the same system as them and just were better at it. And uh, you know, but a year ago they were better than us. I thought when we played them in the corresponding game. So yeah. there, there's been a massive change in that sense. And I do just wonder if it's just an element of they've been found out a bit. Yeah. I wonder what the uh, I wonder what the the Leeds 1970s team with uh, Norman Hunter and Billy Bremner would make of the fucking hairstyles in that current Leeds team. <laughs> Fuck me, it's like a fiesta of like top knots and ponytails and Jesus Christ, what's wrong with them? I hate them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Yes. Uh, you know, conversely, I mean, we'll probably come on to Villa in more detail. Uh, uh, what's happened to Aston Villa after the struggling Aston Villa of last season? They, um, I mean, there's been a tiny hiccup lately, but they uh, they really charged out the gate this year, didn't they? And uh, last season was a little bit torturous for Aston Villa, but this year they really look... Um, that Ollie Watkins guy, I guess. Good signing. Good signing for them, you know. Yeah. But they've yeah, got good players, haven't they? I mean, McGinn's good, and obviously Grealish is good. Um, yeah, Grealish is finding his feet again, isn't he? He's 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 a mercurial player, um, um, and Barkley as well. Yeah. And uh, I think Barkley good signing as well. Uh, oh, you know, brilliant signing! Yeah, um, they had some yeah. good players last season, but they they spent a lot of money as well, didn't they? But yeah, yeah, didn't quite gel for them, and. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe it just, you know, the it was a sort of smaller than the sum of its parts last season and it's actually yeah. now just sort of clicking into gear a bit for them. I think it'll be a really good, the game on Monday, it will be a really good measure up, actually. So we've, we've played these very, very good teams and we've we've not done too bad, although, as you say, James, we've, we've, we've not perhaps picked up the points we deserved. Uh, we have now beaten... We've beaten two of the kind of sort of established, aspiring top-half teams in... Wolves and Leicester, Wolves and Leicester. Very, very comfortably, um, uh, and we've we have yeah, you know not performed brilliantly, but 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 you know got past the two the two teams in the bottom part. Villa are you know a, a much more interesting kind of test. They 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 are potentially like us, aspiring to kind of get into that Wolves Leicester kind of um, kind of kind of grouping Everton kind of grouping and uh, it'll be a good measure I think of mm. where we are mm. it's quite hard to know what to make of a team though isn't it who beat Liverpool 7-2 1-3-0 at Arsenal but conversely lost to Southampton and Brighton and yeah. what, uh, to be honest with you, what, what I think that tells you actually is it seems like Brighton and Southampton are actually quite good. Oh, oh Brighton are yeah. pretty good. They're in a fourth yeah. position, I think. They are. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. And I think Southampton are actually very good. I, think, I really yeah. think their manager is exceptionally yeah. good. Yeah. And actually, yeah. I, you know, I think the reality of this sort of COVID season and teams having to play with the frequency they're having to play with um, is that actually I think that's levelling the league up a little bit. So it reminds yeah. me at the moment a bit of the 15-16 year yes. where some of the bigger teams that just can't get going, they've got injuries, they're not, they are not, perhaps haven't bought that well like Man City or whatever. Um, and it feels like there's also a few teams like us who are surprisingly good and, you know, Southampton, um, I think would I would put in there alongside us as being yeah. teams who are better than you would have thought they were going into the season. I, I would have thought 17th would have been a a lofty aspiration for us going into this season with, with, with what we didn't do in the summer. Yeah. But actually now you look at it and you say the way we're playing and, and the way the league's panning out, 
you know, forgetting my joke earlier, I mean, I think we could easily finish in the top half this year if we continue to play like this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so it's a bit of a, the, the league is, is a bit mad, which actually I think makes it unusually entertaining, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It does, I totally it does. Agree. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, think it's, it, I think it's great to, you know, all those different changes of leadership, that, that, that's, that's good for the league, I think. And not instantly looking at the league and seeing Manchester City and Liverpool miles clear of everybody else. I think that's, makes for more exciting uh, general kind of you know watching a football i'm more interested in other games that we're not involved in than i would i would otherwise be so yes. it's a shame we haven't had people in the ground but maybe as you say the fact that there aren't people in the grounds is sort of kind of e- evening it up i mean a funny i think it is yeah. yeah i think it's helping us to be honest. yeah 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 <laughs> me too i think if you want to play a counter-attacking style even at home um, I don't think you can do that with 60,000 in our place, to be honest. No, no. Um, you know, and if I think about, who was it, was it Wolves we played? You know, beating them 4-0 with a slightly counter-attacking type of style might not have been possible with fans there getting a bit irate and getting on top. You know, fans obviously in certain circumstances are great. But yeah. I, mean, I, I think West Ham have benefited quite a lot from actually not yeah. having that negative environment. Yeah, because we're quite patient with the ball, aren't we? We cycle it from side to side with Suchek and Rice sort of being a linchpin. And yeah, crowds get 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 sort of kind of shirty about that quite quite quickly, don't they? When the ball yeah. goes sideways or backwards, but not forwards all the time. But yeah, or, or conversely, when we're defending, we defend with a low block, which means that we don't push out, we don't press, we don't do that thing where all of the team pushes up right on the edge of the opposition box and they sprint around a hair around like that. We actually yeah. drop back and invite teams on because what we want to do is leave space behind. Yes, for our quick forwards to break into. That's a pretty kind of conventional tactic but it, it it at the moment it's not in vogue and so i think a lot of our fans yeah, demand yeah, yeah. that sort of decanio style thing of like running around like a headless chicken but never fucking getting the ball and everyone clapping and being like well that's brilliant but actually yeah moyes, moyes doesn't want that out of his strikers no, something different no. and yeah. again i think not having fans around is probably quite helpful in that sense yeah, yeah. i agree i agree um now the women's team sort of which in the in the couple of podcasts we've done this season I've sort of started to feel especially since there's a TV program about them are slightly shadowing the the men's team in the last few years under Bilic and Pellegrini in that they have been uh, less than the sum of their parts and mm. they've been losing a lot of games this season despite having you know, a talented set of players and um, and finally they pulled the trigger on uh, on Matt Beard, who, mm. you know, last season it sort of felt like his days might even be numbered that season because they were not as good as they should have been, you know, on paper. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's – it's interesting. I mean, I you know, I sort of watched the highlights on uh, uh, the women's match of the day and obviously that TV series gave you a kind of insight into them. But, um, you know, they, they – you know, they've got lots of good players and um, – I wonder what's going, you know, what's going wrong there. Well, I, yeah, you can't really tell much from that um, a highly edited television program. No, but but the impression you gained of him, um, and I think I've said it before, uh, it's um, it's not with the benefit of hindsight. The, the impression you gained of him was was a very much a kind of sort of blood and guts kind of manager, kind Ron of, manager. Yeah, kind of, kind of wind them up, passion, play for the shirt, heart, etc. You didn't get a great sense of a kind of man with huge tactical acumen and a kind of no. And you and you felt in a way he had he had quite a lot of quite cultured 
women footballers in the team. Um, like the the French the French girl who plays in midfield. Um, yeah, darling. Uh, yeah, 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 and and um, there's a sort of slight sense that we were getting, in many ways, kind of bullied out of games rather than rather than sort of necessarily yeah. being out footballed. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was very much the kind of feeling when that, I mean, I haven't watched them a lot, but I did go to that cup final where, you know, we had our, we had our moments against Manchester city and there was some, there was some nice, nice um, counter-attacking football, but they were just, they were physically outmatched by, by. Manchester. Well, that game we went to see the um, semi-final Jim, we were sort of bullied by Reading, weren't we? Yes, they were a much more, more physical side. Way. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, they were very physical. Dirty. James, you've been following them, haven't you? What do, what do you make of it all? Yeah, so you can watch their games. There's a thing called the FA Player, which is a, a oh, free yeah. service. So you can watch the games on, on Sunday. So I've tended to, I think I've seen all the games this year. Um, I've got to be honest, that they, they have been quite poor. Um, you know, last year, I felt they didn't sign enough players last year, actually. I, th- I thought they the, the team got worse. But actually, the results were... Um, okay, you know they weren't they weren't yeah. great, but they did better than I thought they would. Then this summer they went out and signed a lot of players actually, and they got people like Rachel Daly who plays for England and is, is a really really good player in, in Houston. And um, they picked up another couple of players who are quite highly regarded, um, you know, from, from different places. And to be honest, I, I sort of looked at the team and and I thought uh, they're going to be quite good this year. And actually. Mm. The reality is, and what, what's different this year is, women's football is very much like the men's, but it's even more pronounced. The teams at the top who've got the budgets smash everybody else. So Arsenal, Chelsea, yeah. City, and now Man United, because they're taking it seriously, they batter everybody. So your your survival, if you're a team like West Ham, is beating, you've got to beat Reading and Birmingham and Brighton and Everton and these yeah. other sort of sort of more, more mid-level teams. And basically, we've, we've essentially lost to all of them this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, whereas in previous years they they'd beaten all of them, and and so that's why they've, they've sort of been a mid-table team. So I think he did probably have to go, if only because it is catastrophic. If they fall out of that league, the Super League, that you know you're back down to basically being amateur again. Yeah, there's just, yeah. There's just, there's just no money then if you drop out into the, the the women's championship. So they've got to stay up. So I think they probably did have to do something, but in the end, they are they are quite um, they're underperforming quite a bit because, as you said, Phil, I think they've got some really good players. Darley's a good player. Adriana Leon is a really good player. Yeah, uh, Daly uh, Van Egmond, who they've got from Australian on loan in the middle, is really good. But they, you watch them, and they are they are not they're not unluckily losing these games. They are deservedly losing them, and yeah. they need to get better. So I, I suspect he had to go. I mean, in that BBC Three doc, there's a scene where, you know, he sort of addresses the fact that they're not playing all that well. And there does seem to be um, a certain amount of kind of egos in the team that are sort of coming over on the pitch. Um, Darley, the French girl, she seems like she's got quite a kind of, you know, whatever people thought about Arnautovic, she's she's actually got that in spades. And he sort of calls them to the office for a clear the air sort of talk, but they're not going to say it in front of each other. You can just tell, you know, there's a kind of honour among thieves thing. So it's pointless. Mm. And it, all it ends up really doing is he shouts at them and then tries yeah. to get, um, <laughs> then tries to get um, Flaherty to sort of shout at them. You know, in a way, I, I, the way the egos are, you are sort of going, well, maybe this is, the, the time to sort of maybe promote Flaherty to sort of play a manager. But actually, I think they she hasn't got their respect. 
You know, some of the egos are big in the team, and I don't yeah. think they see Flaherty as an equal, even though she's got tons more experience than them. They see her just as a sort of equal and wouldn't, they just wouldn't respect her, I don't think. Well, she got sent off against Arsenal, actually, in one of the early games when, when they were really quite competitive in the game. And I think it was one all, or maybe it went to 2-1. She then got sent off for abusing the ref and they ended up losing 9-1 or something. Right, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, which, you know, as I said, the gulf between the top teams and the, and the you know, teams like West Ham is absolutely vast. So it's not, I think, you know, that's not one of those things where you sort of roll your eyes and go, oh, what are they bothering to do? Actually, that's just more a reflection on where women's football is. But, um, you know, Flati as the, as the captain and, being the most experienced player really ought not to be getting sent off for descent when, when they really yeah. need her. So, you know, I, I, I suspect it might be one of those things where he's a bit, the players have all been quite upset and they've all been sort of tweeting, you know, really nice things about him and all that sort of stuff, which, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I, I wonder if it's just one of those things where after a while you do just need a new voice because the, yeah. the yelling, the yelling yeah. works for, yeah. for a while. Yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe that's just reached the end of its course. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's right. I think that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone liked Bilic, but we went as far as we could with him in in the men's team. You know, oh, it just yeah. there just had to be a change, no matter you know everyone liked him, uh, yeah. but that was it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, any, I mean, who are they going to get to? I mean, are there any obvious candidates? I've always thought it's quite nice when um when you have women managing women's teams. Definitely, yeah. So that that you know there must be good ex players who with with coaching skills out there. So. Um, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, I truthfully don't know. I think Phil mentioned, you mentioned before, they might be looking at the manager at Birmingham, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's, that's Who Birmingham snaffled from someone else uh, only at the beginning of this season. So it's possible that, oh, you know, right. they might be able to coax um, a manager away from a team after only about half a season. But, but perhaps that involve, that's easier to do. money, won't it, conversation? Yeah, perhaps that's easier to do in the, in the women's game, you know. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, there's a there's talk of getting a female manager. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, yeah, as you say, they you know they are good. Jim, you know when we went to that Reading game um, uh, oh. season before last, that was uh, Leon's first game, and yeah. you were going, Jesus Christ, she's full of tricks. <laughs> she you know, is really talented and got a bit of pace as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, and it is, you know, it is less than the sum of its part. Lehman is clearly good. Uh, so their sort of front line has good players in. But, and the um, Irish girl's not bad. I think she's quick. Yeah. Yeah. They did have, a, they, they, the centre forward is a girl called Martha Thomas and she was injured actually for, for the start of the season. And I think that really hurt them. Uh, because right. I think since she's come back, there's been a bit of an upturn, but it's mostly been in the cups. So... Um, yeah, they they do need to turn it round relatively quickly, and part you know part of the problem is that I think they've still got to play Liverpool and uh, sorry uh, Chelsea and Manchester City. I think their next game, soon. next game's yeah. Chelsea. I yeah. think I think yeah, it yeah. is Chelsea. It's on the BBC. I think so. Yeah, yeah. oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. So you know, unfortunately, you, there's just not really that much chance of picking up points in those games because the the, go, the gap is pretty huge. So. They, yeah. What they need to do is is win some of those games against teams like Reading and Brighton and so on. And they, you know, I think I think they've probably still got enough to stay up. But yeah, you know, they're going to have to start putting some performances in relatively soon. Yeah, oh. we'll get Moyes down there. Yeah, 
just yeah. for an afternoon, you know, <laughs> send him down there. <laughs> now he's fixed the uh, now he's fixed the main thing. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> Moyes, of course, did uh, even though it was light heartedly threaten to punch a female reporter at a press conference, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, that was one of his less well-judged. Um, yeah, yeah. Media that was a yeah. slightly yeah misjudged bants. Um, talking of punching, um, heading the ball has been in new- in the news this week, hasn't it? it sort of oh, I thought you were going to talk about Pepe for a moment there, but um, oh yeah, heading the player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, heading the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heading the ball has been in the news, and uh, there, you know, st- uh, it feels like there is a study every two years on heading the ball, which always comes up with the same, you know, conclusion, which is that on the whole, it might be bad for you. Uh, obviously, uh, historically, we've had, you know, people like Jeff Astor, but, you know, the ball was, uh, you know, the the weight of a, a kind of a small safe, um, you know, in, in the 60s, especially if it was raining. So, um but it's quite interesting because you know they've been talk- you know they have talked through a couple of the possibilities of how to sort of deal with this sort of perceived and real problem of of heading the ball. I don't know if you've seen any of those sort of yeah uh, yeah yeah. I mean, clearly it's going to it, it's it's a matter of time before it's gone completely from the from the the children's game, you know, from school school boys and girls. Right. Um, mm. That that's that's you know growing brains in 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 you know small bodies really yeah. can't you know that's going to happen i think um, yeah uh, the issue with men's football is more about the amount of i mean let's face it in a match you 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 know you you're not heading the ball that many times are you as an individual player so it's about training i think yeah that's right there was an interesting it's, it's, um radio sort of feature about it uh and uh, because they were sort of saying well will it you know will will the thing we see be headgear uh, but the person said, no, it doesn't. Uh, the, the expert said all it does doesn't make any difference. No. doesn't make any difference. And what it in fact does is it makes it worse because it takes away uh, the pain sensation, which is how human beings stop themselves doing things that are bad for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Haven't they found that with boxing, those kind of the amateur boxers, they had to wear those head shields for and that, that actually they don't make any difference because it's really about, the the um it's not so much the impact on the outside it's 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 the fact that the brain wobbles around inside yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the shaking it's, it's yeah. just the shaking sort um, of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. as the I mean, bad babysitting handbook tells us yes <laughs> yes i mean i think you're quite right jim about the kids game I and mean, i i coach my daughter's team and so there's effort, oh, there's right. quite strict fa guidelines on um on how much children can head a ball during training sessions and i mean we we don't bother at all. Actually, uh, we're far too cultured to have the ball up in the air. But in, you know, yeah. in, in the end, it just doesn't. It doesn't seem to me like it's worth it because, as Jim quite rightly points out, how many times in a game are you actually heading the ball? You know, I mean, the, the reality yeah. is, you know, most you know it happens once or twice. And as I say, my daughter's team in particular, you know, girls aren't that keen on heading the ball anyway. So it, no. it's, yeah. it's, it's it's not. It's, there's never been any value in that for me, but I, I, I think it will be gone. I, I absolutely think that football will, will, will do away with heading it uh, for kids. Well, what they're talking about soon. doing is yeah, taking think, it I, out of training. So you just don't do it in training. Uh, and yeah, then you do all, it in matches. And that yeah. seems like quite a good quite a good um, thing to do. Because actually, yeah. I think it will make teams play on the deck a lot more. If they're not doing it in training, Sam yeah. Allardyce will have a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's also talk of trying to develop a kind of lighter, softer ball, which still behaves like a like a like a match ball for training purposes, isn't there? But I mean, that sounds that sounds fanciful yeah. to me. I mean, I think I think the, the issue that's pro- probably the bigger issue behind this is, is the slowness with which football tends to react as as as, as a game, as an institution to to, the, to these things. As you say, there's been concern about this for for a long long time and i go back you know i've I'm obviously been more involved in coaching and and uh dealing with cricket as a as a, as a school game um and we, we, we nearly 25 years ago uh cricket woke up to the fact that you know um young bodies can't can't do the the fast bowling thing for endless amounts of time. and and there were limits brought into how long a spell a, a young uh um, bowler can can bowl in a match and how much they can bowl at full pace in training and so on that has been very rigidly and strictly adhered to by clubs and schools for for yeah as i say over over two decades mm. now so you know that kind of awareness and and you know there's there's a duty of care isn't there to to young people in your sport and um it's like it's like the whole thing it's like var you can you could just name just about anything really and football seems to be you know <laughs> so slow to to actually you know it's never on the front foot it's always reactive rather than sort of seeing a problem and dealing with and you can add the wider political problems like you know um, diversity and 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 racism and so on you know it's it it always seems to take such a time to actually get off its arse and do anything football yeah i do wonder though jim if if this might be different in the sense that it might actually be driven by the players because of course if you were a young player through now and and you're sort of looking at a 20-year career you know you're 16 or something you might think to yourself well yeah no i'm not going to do heading and training this week because actually you know i'm not that keen on getting dementia and you know actually i'm going to be playing football for a long time and you know obviously one one person saying that's no good but you know if if the players and the pfa in particular drive this forward where they say actually no you're you're literally putting people's health at risk and then yeah. suddenly there becomes a yeah. cost to football as well because the other thing about this is <laughs> yeah. you know i think what a lot of the the sort of ex-players are saying is well you know we're stepping away into into sort of later life suffering from neurological diseases and getting no support from football when actually yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. caused by the game so maybe i mean you know i've no idea whether that will make any difference or not but it ought to <laughs> You know, yeah. that's like the foot, football yeah. has a duty of care to, to people who play the having, game. Having, well, having said that, though, how, how rugby is still a school sport uh, is is beyond me. Uh, I, I, I've, I've talked for twenty years in a in a school that plays one term rugby, one term football, and as soon as the rugby term starts, the kids walking around on crutches with arms in slings, it's just you suddenly start seeing it. The the attritional and and. Schoolboy rugby now is not some namby pamby. It used to be the game that any any you know any kid can play because it you know uh, it accommodates all body shapes and so on. But they're all just drinking these protein shakes and pumping themselves up. Yeah, and they hit the hits. First fifteen rugby school rugby the hits they put in on each other are frightening. And these are undeveloped bodies. I mean, you're not fully formed. You're not fully yeah. grown. You know. So it's um, it's got real. I, I'd say rugby as a as a junior sport's got real problems. Mm. <clears throat> Bigger problems. Interesting. So um, we better wrap this up soon. Uh, so we better talk about the Villa game, uh, which is um, Monday yeah. week, isn't it? Just under a week away. Um, you know, we've we've had a kind of. Uh, uh, a seven game unbeaten run the you know the the time the time we 
loser game of football is, you know, heading over the horizon as we speak. Um, conceivably, most games we play could be that game. Um, but uh, but we are playing well. At the same time, we're playing well. And I think, you know, we'll give, we, we can give them a game, you know. Um, is it... Is it at our place or their place? Yes, it's our place. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think? Um, like I say, I think it's a really difficult game to call. You don't know which Aston Villa is going to turn up. Um, I think we've got to improve the quality of decision-making and the final ball in, you know, in, in, in attacking situations. Yes. Um, and if we don't improve on, on that from the last two games, we might be on the receiving end, I think. Uh, I, I think we'll do well to keep a clean sheet against them. Um, but I, I still I still think, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, tails up at the moment. I, I, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. James, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, so I think for, for all the praise I've heaped on Moyes, I do think the last couple of games, Jim's right, I think there has been a bit of a drop-off, albeit, you know, they've won both games, which is a very un-West Ham sort of thing. So, I, yeah, I think they might bounce back, but I do, I generally agree with what Jim said. I think Villa are pretty good. Um, and actually, historically, if you look back over the years, we always tend to draw with Villa. It's, a, yeah, it's just a, a deal thing. So, uh, yeah. I'll go with, a, with an entertaining two-all draw. Two-all, two-all. Yes, well, it's our place. Uh, I wonder if we'll see the return of Antonio. Maybe, maybe. I think it would be, in a way, almost harsh on Ella to drop him after after scoring and, and playing yeah. decently. Um, uh, and maybe a good idea to ease Antonio back and give him half an hour or, or, or yeah. a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, probably a good idea, yeah. Um. I'll go for I'll go for what did you say, Jim? Two one. One nil. I'll go for we win one nil. A chatty okay, one. Yeah, 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 third one nil in a row. Third one in a row. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I think that's what I'm going for. I'm, I was just trying to decide whether I think it might be early or late. Um, <laughs> you know, thinking of kind of scoring early against Manchester City and sort of holding on, uh, and uh, well, you know, failing to hold on. In reality, but uh, yeah, yeah, um, you know whether or whether it's going to be in the sort of second half again uh, or late on. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe nil nil finish the first half nil nil, and our one goal is scored in the second half. I would say. Well, uh, there we have it. Uh, that has been uh, this week's stop hammer time. Uh, with me this week were Jim Grant, Cheerio, and James Cairns. Thanks for having me. Come on, you irons. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.